And welcome in, everybody. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. The report date is Wednesday, December 8th. The Magic out west right now. Fell to the Golden State Warriors on Monday night. Um, it was about a quarter and a half of competitive basketball. Uh, but the Warriors do that. And so the Magic try to get right tonight with the Sacramento Kings. And my guest for the program this evening and this week is Mackenzie Thorkill. Uh, she is our TV and digital reporter for the Orlando Magic. And she and I have been hosting these Twitter spaces. She's been hosting the Twitter spaces. She just kind of lets me talk uh, whenever, whenever there's a pause. Um, and we've been doing it, what, about 30 minutes prior to each game, Mackenzie. And it's been really enjoyable. And it's interesting because you and I didn't really know each other very well. And so I feel like we're like we're, we're sort of meeting each other in front of a whole bunch of other people. Um, it's been really enjoyable. How are you, first and foremost? Um, and how are, how are things going? I'm great, first and foremost, and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And it, like you said, it really is us getting to know each other. We see each other at games. We're usually not sitting by each other. Usually it's a quick, hey, how are you? Good. Maybe a quip about the game. But other than that, we really don't fraternize that much right. at work, despite that we are very much in the same sphere, like, sphere doing kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is really exciting. I love the Twitter spaces that we've just started. It gives such a good opportunity to our fans to speak about their favorite team and give their thoughts and opinions. I The way I kind of like to think about it, it's like us being at a sports bar and we're just talking shop. We're kind of like, no, I don't think you're right here. I would love to see this. I don't like this. It's what sports should be. It should be fun. And we've created the space for fans now. And so it's been great. We've had some really great questions. We're starting to get some regular listeners and I've absolutely loved it. It's funny that you say that that is such a sports radio uh, answer. Like I've had five it program is. directors tell me it's just, it's supposed to, it's just supposed to feel like you're sitting on the corner of a bar talking sports. Yep. Um, but that's what it is. I mean, that's, you know, and you and I, I think, um, I think I, first off, you do a really good job of of sort of presenting actual topics. Like, I just sort of react to whatever everybody else is talking about, and you're the one sort of steering the ship. Um, but it's fun, and it is. It's probably the closest thing these days to an actual sports radio show. Um, it's audio based. I was joking, like when we <laughs> this is this is me when we d- signed up for it and said we were going to try it. Um, what before the Houston game, I went out and got my hair cut. Because, because I thought it was, I thought it was video based, and I, I turned, I jumped on, and of course it took me ten minutes to figure out how to do it. Um, but I jumped on, and I was like, oh, this is all, this is all audio based, just like everything I've ever done <laughs> in my career as a radio guy. Um, but it's been really, really fun, and um, yeah, I guess thirty minutes. We're we're talking about best times to do it, but but as of now, if people want to find us and jump on. It's your Orlando Magic Twitter account. And we're usually on, what, about 45 minutes prior to tip-off or something like that? Yeah, I would say 45 minutes. And we kind of let it ride. Like, you usually, you're obviously hosting radio. So you have your pregame show starting 30 minutes prior to tip. And I've been kind of letting it run almost until 10 minutes before. I kind of let it keep keep the floor open for the people and let them talk and say what they want. And right when I think, like, all right, no one else has anything to say, people keep surprising me yeah. so yeah it's about a good 45 minute chat of us ch- talking about the Orlando Magic no the other night because we're on a group chat uh, group chat and the other night I'm like wrapping up my pregame show and then you guys are like oh yeah we're we're wrapping up now I'm like you guys are still going holy smokes like there must be um and the, <laughs> and the best part my favorite part was the first one that we did 
our first, the first guy who jumped on was from Madagascar. Then we had a guy from Seattle. Then we had a guy from New York, a guy from London. I'm like, oh my gosh, like it really, it doesn't register to me. I've been doing this a long time, Mackenzie. It doesn't register to me how big a brand something like the Orlando Magic is in a pro sports franchise. I mean, it is a global game. We know that we pay lip service to that, but you know, it doesn't really hit you over the head until you're talking to somebody from Madagascar. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to lose sight of it, right? Yeah. Because we're not a big market team in comparison to the Lakers or the Knicks or the Celtics. Those are the teams you really always hear about, especially when you go overseas or those, the one, those are the ones that you really see the most of when you step outside of Orlando. So to hear all that, you're kind of like, well, look at us. Yeah. <laughs> exciting is it yeah to just get all these opinions and then of course you're asking people how did they even become a magic family from orlando and a lot of the time they're like no like <laughs> and it's all sorts of answers as to the reason why they're a fan of this team. shack and penny t-mac dwight i mean it's it, it could be anything um as far as that goes so that's been really really enjoyable um all right so and, and the funny part about you and i not necessarily knowing each other is because until last year i produced and hosted um, all the radio broadcasts from RDB Sportsplex. So I was never even at home games. So there's a whole lot of people who have, who've heard my voice and might know my name, but have no idea what I look like or whatever. Um, so it's been fun for me just to be in the arena, especially this year. Like I was in the arena last year and that was, that was not necessarily the experience that, um, that we're not getting this year. So how, let me, let me start with that. How, how much better and how much more fun is it to be in a full arena with fans and feel that energy and, um, it's just, it, it, it's gotta be 180 degrees from last year or even, even a couple of years ago oh because, of the, because of the pent up energy, right? Yeah. Night and day difference. I remember going back to my first game last season and I was just kind of, I was kind of sad. Like, obviously I was excited. So I'm like, yes, we have basketball back. But at the same time I was like, oh, but this isn't the NBA. Like yeah. this isn't what we like come to love about this sport. Like we're far from everybody. It's not as loud. Like you just kind of like feel like you still have this cloud over your head that's just lingering. Whereas like now everything's kind of back in full motion. And really the only thing that's different is we still continue to wear masks. At least we do being on the court and around players and whatnot. Yep. But it feels so much better. And it almost gives you that much more appreciation for it too. Like loved it. But now that you have everything back, you're like, ah, oh, yes. Yes, yes. This is this is what it is. Yeah, because there's nothing like I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's, and you could probably speak to this because you have experience in different sports. I don't know if there's anything like 18,000 people shaking a building when a team hits a big shot. And I don't care if you're four and 20 or 20 and four, like that, that vibe, that Utah game, for instance, I mean, that was, that's so, that's palpable. And, and it's something that I know I missed over the last couple of years. And um, it's been great to get back into the building. Um, will you just take me kind of soup to nuts through your, professional journey yeah like give me your give me your profile you don't have to do um you don't have to do the the entire resume um but 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 just just introduce yourself to me uh and then to anybody else who might not know your story yeah so it's funny let me start it off with the one question I always get asked is like how do you get into sports broadcasting yeah. and the answer I always give is there is no correct answer because it can take any shape or form. It could be right place, right time, knowing the right person, like really make it your own journey because there is no correct way in getting into this business. With that being said, I've always wanted to be a sports reporter. I knew that that's what I just did when I was young. I grew up 
all over, but predominantly in South Florida. So I grew up loving South Florida teams. And so it just felt natural. I like to talk and sports just felt like the right fit for me getting into sports reporting. My first actual job that was a paid job I found through Craigslist. Wow. Yeah. So the job posted, right next to the mattresses. Is that what, is that what it was? It, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you about this. Cause every time I tell this story, people are like, what? So go on Craigslist and I'm living in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. And I'm just kind of looking up like reporter jobs. And this is Craigslist job sites, all of the things. So I find this really sketchy ad and it's like sports reporter works from home, has book coming out, must be okay with like cat and dogs. Like, please send like your resume. And I remember reading it and I was like, this is really weird. No yeah. background information. Sat on it, ended up responding to the email. 30 minutes later, get a response back. Hi, I'm Christy Dosh. I'm the ESPN business reporter. Um, That's so yeah. weird. I was just reading an article from her today and I, to- and I was talking to Dante about how I wanted to have her on um, to, to, do, to talk about the, uh, the Steph Curry, Ozzy Fudd uh, uh, story. The, the girl from UConn that Steph is... I was just talking about her today. That's so bizarre. You're going to have to give me your contact info afterwards. How funny. Yeah, absolutely. So I ended up working with Christy. So I was like her communications manager. She had a book that was coming out. So I like helped her with her book tour. She also had a website at the time that she owned that was business of college sports. So she had me writing for that website too, which was fun because before that I was really only writing um, previews and recaps of Florida and Florida state football games. Okay for just like a no name website, just to have something. Right. And so started dabbling in like the business side of sports, which was really fun. It was a really good challenge, but I was with her for a year and her now husband was at the time, the program director for 1010 XL, which is the sports radio station in Jacksonville. So I was with her, she left ESPN. I was without a job for about six months. So I was just kind of picking up here and there because at the time I'm only 21. So I'm just like picking up jobs where I can end up going to the radio station. and was just like, I just want to learn. I've never done radio. I just want to still find a way to be in sports. So pretty much intern there, learned my way, ended up filling in here and there. They were partnered with the TV station across the street, which was the CW at the time. So I then tried being on camera, having never been on camera before. It was absolutely terrible. Thank goodness no one has found that footage of me doing it for the first oh, time. Oh, we got to dig that up. That's got to oh, be somewhere. Oh, they're trying. My friend who filmed it that day is still like searching for it. So I'm sure at some point it uh-huh. will it was terrible. Me reading a teleprompter. It's 2021, Mackenzie. Like, the internet does not forget. It is somewhere. Oh gosh. Yeah, it's it was bad. Um, so pretty much same thing at, with TV. Just started going to the station every day just to practice reading a teleprompter and being on camera. And then it led to me being the high school reporter, which put me on like the high school football show that we had at that CW station. So it was with radio, covered the Suns, who are now the Jumbo Shrimp the double A affiliate for the Marlins. So then was covering baseball. Then the ESPNY world of sports found me and contacted me. And they were like, Hey, we want you to come in to do a screen test. So you could cover events here. It did that, which then led to Orlando city and Orlando city led to the magic. Um, and Orlando city was, I mean, that was that kind of the break for you or is that, yeah. would you say that was the most sort of formative part of your career so far? 
yeah, that was definitely like the break where it was full time being the reporter and host. And I spent two and a half seasons there and I am so thankful for that team and those who had hired me and my former bosses. Like I absolutely loved it. I'm, like soccer. I played soccer growing up. I love soccer, but it's not the sport that I really anticipated being in. So when the MLS came calling, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, why not? Like never the trajectory of my career is not what I had thought it would be anyway. So why not just continue going down the path of the unknown? And I went there and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And then from there, the Orlando magic came knocking and now I'm here. <laughs> um, I, I love that people come knocking. That's that's not something that I've experienced very much in my career. Usually I have to go knocking and sometimes banging on people's doors um, for any sort of an opportunity. But that's what happens when you, A, when you network well and when you um, when you put out good tape, you know, like if you've got if you've got a good demo, be it radio or video, um, in this day and age, people will see it and they will find you um, and yeah. you'll get those opportunities. How, how good a soccer player were you? Did you play... Did you just sort of play like I played basketball, which is basically used all five I mean, of my I fouls every every year in, in junior varsity, and that was it. No, I I mean I stopped playing sports after high school. I got injured and just was kind of like, and I love sports, and part of me wishes I would have stayed. Not to say that I would have been by any means good enough to get a scholarship, but I just love playing sports. But yeah, I played varsity through high school, so I played soccer. I played keeper was my position. Cause I, oh, nice. there's no way I can't use my hands. Like same thing. Like I played basketball, like I did volleyball. Like I very much grew up playing sports. It was an outlet for me. And that's why I continue to stick with it is because it still provides me with that in a lot of ways. Are you, I'm a very, uh, illustrative speaker. It's the Italian in me and the Greek in me. Like I, I do all this. Yeah. So if you, so as a goalkeeper and as a professional broadcaster like what do you do with your hands like is that something that you always have to control (laughs) I use my hands a lot like I'll go back and watch especially and I'm just like like, what am I doing like this is so unnecessary for so many reasons that's the trickiest part that's why that's why I'm glad I'm I've been I've been able to make it work in radio which is actually something that probably these days is kind of rare because you have to have some sort of a video element but anytime I like I can listen back to myself on radio now and I'm used to it and it's fine. Anytime I see myself on camera, if I do anything and I watch it back, I'm like mortified. Like I'm, I'm like, dude, do I really look like that? Is that, do I really do that with my face when I talk? Like it is, it's, it, it's, it's very difficult. I think to be a good video broadcaster and, uh, and to like improve upon it, like to go back and watch and, and work at it. I think it's, if it's not natural, then I think it's really difficult for people to, um, to get better at that. At, at that craft it's it's a lot it's a lot more difficult than people give the credit for that's for sure yeah it is it is very difficult and I know for me watching myself back now like I can do that very easily and I still nitpick always of course the thing that's funny for me though is like do being on camera in front of people is fine but like so when we play arena videos so like if I did something shot something and they're playing it pre-game um on the jumbotron I get super weird yeah. about it. Like if it's not me already like being live for it to go where I can't see it, if I'm sitting there and I can see it, I want to curl in a ball. Like I will literally run away. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't want to see myself and then see everyone else's reaction 
as it's happening right. on that big of a screen. It's very overwhelming. No, that's why I like radio because I, there could be 30,000 people listening to me, but I, I, but I don't see them. Like I'm just sitting alone in a room and I don't have to, I don't have to deal with any of that stuff. And in some ways it's easier to go live, like you said, because, because then there's no thinking, then it's just mm-hmm. the cliff you jump. And then, and then that's that. Um, I want to go back to the soccer thing because so when you started working for Orlando City, did you did you have to like study back up on the sport? Like how how natural was it for you? Were you just sort of this big soccer fan and it was just easier? Because I for me, like I love soccer, but I don't I didn't play. I, there's no way I could broadcast the game. Um, I just don't know enough about it. And I think there's probably there's probably a whole lot of people who get opportunities like that. And it's like, OK, now the homework starts like how w- w- was that a big process for you? Yeah, for sure. And the difference being is that I love stats. Like Mm. I'm very much a numbers girl. Like that that makes sense to me. And MLS isn't that. It's a lot of the intangibles. So it's you kind of being able to talk about it and someone can easily have a different view, but you don't have any numbers realistically to back that up outside of, oh, we had the ball 60% to their 40. Like other than that, like the way the guys are actually playing – there That's are interesting. No I never thought about that. There isn't assists per game. You know, there's what are, like, what is there? It, tackles but and there's but assists, it's, but it's just not, you score two goals a game and that's, that's it. Right. And yeah, like there isn't like, there's obviously stats, like we will go through the stats, but they don't hold as much weight as they would in the NBA sure. or NFL or the MLB. And that was really, really tough. And I was familiar, obviously, like you watch like EPL and, um, Barca and Madrid and like those teams, like the big, the big leagues, like not that MLS isn't big league, but MLS, if you understand in terms of European soccer is still at another level. MLS is not even probably in like the top 10 in terms of best leagues in the world. And so it was like the familiarizing myself with like all the MLS players and like, who's there now, what countries, like a lot of homework went into. And I would say I probably really didn't even get comfortable where I felt solid about it until my second season. Yeah. Oh, I, I believe it. And probably, and probably never that. I mean, it's what we do. It's like, you're never comfortable. I mean, there's no perfect show. It's just like coaching a basketball team, like forever in pursuit of the perfect podcast, the perfect radio show, the perfect Twitter space or the perfect basketball game. And I always tell people that I'm like, I'm all, like, people will be like, do you get nervous? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, all the time I get nervous. And I was like, the day I don't get nervous is the day I don't care to have that perfect show. And the day I have that perfect show is the day that I drop the mic and I'm like, we did it right now. Like, I'm ending this on a high. Like yep. I did the thing. So yeah, constantly striving for perfection. And I think that's one of the toughest parts about this industry is everyone has the right to their opinion. So when I go live, people can either be like, oh, I don't agree with that. Like there, there's a lot of criticism that can be involved and there's so much to be weary of in that instance. And then also for me, I know what I'm striving for. So knowing what I think is perfection, I'll watch other broadcasters and be like, oh, there was a quick pause there. They should have said this. Oh, they've been using this word a lot. Like it's so nitpicky and it's a black hole that I can easily get wrapped into. And it's that's the thing I have to be the most mindful of is not falling into it. When I was younger, when I was younger, I would, I would tweet stuff about other broadcasters because I was a young broadcaster. Nobody would know who I was. I had 2000 followers, whatever the guy on ESPN, you know, 
I would feel comfortable critiquing them. And it wouldn't be very mean, but it might be like, you know, a, a professional type critique. And then eventually I was like, dude, like what happens if you get to that point and you got some little, some little whippersnapper tweeting the same stuff about you, you wouldn't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It is now, okay, look, but this is a whole nother ball game when we're talking about being a woman in sports and Twitter and how toxic it can be. How do you deal with that stuff? I, I know you see it. I know you get it. I get it for crying out loud, but it's a whole different, it's getting better. You know, in the 15 years I've been doing this, it's we've, we've, we've gotten to a much better place than we were when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still obviously a long way to go. What do you do? Do you just ignore it? That's probably not possible. I mean, you try to do the best of your ability, right? Which yeah. like you said, it's not entire, it's not possible. You just do the best you can with it. I remember when I was at 1010, um, Chad, who was the program director and even Steve, who was our owner of the station, like they sat me down and they were like, look, as a female, especially on radio where all of our listeners are predominantly male. If you mess up someone's last name in comparison to one of the guys, you're going to hear about it. Like we're going to get calls in and they're going to like bash you for it. It's one thing if like one of the guys like say something, they'll be like, Oh, well, he's a guy. It's fine. Like, but as a female tenfold that much worse. And I remember it, I pronounced something wrong. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I pronounced something wrong. And sure enough, that, that happened and it was hard. And, but like having that experience, especially on radio where then people are calling in, like attacking me. And at this time I was only maybe 22, 23 on radio. I wasn't even, yeah, I was 22 or 23. And that was such a good learning experience. I've been very blessed that I haven't gotten the full Monty of what I know it is for other women and people have been very respectful, but yeah, there's definitely times where I'm being critiqued for how I dress, like what I wore, what I look like, how I'm like saying things. I'm like, a guy can wear the same suit and you don't care. Why do you care? Like it shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't. It shouldn't. And of course it, 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 it doesn't matter. It matters to idiots and it matters (laughs) to, to miserable people who like to project their own misery onto other people um, on the internet. And then there's this whole aspect of, of um, like, like you have to be better. You have to be perfect. You have to be, you have to be, you and I could do the exact same presentation and I'm going to get more credit for it. And that to me is infuriating a, but I have to think it, it probably informs the way you prepare. You probably make sure you have everything locked down when you, you know, before you, before the mic turns on, um, because you have sort of that, that thing in the back of your head where it's like, I'm going to get extra crap if I screw up a guy's last name. Like, I don't know. I, that just makes me angry. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I mean, as I've gotten older, like I've been in this industry for almost 10 years now. And as the years go by, you just start to care a little bit less about what people think and that is oh such a great feeling you gain confidence too right yeah, you, you it's gain- such a great feeling because there's so many people that like I don't agree with like what they're saying or like in sports like some people have some takes and I'm like what and like no <laughs> like, yeah. and it's like you know what like to each their own like we all have our thoughts and opinions as to why we think someone's good or someone's better or someone's worse and you know I kind of just like let it be like 
the guy speaking of spaces, someone came on a couple, like the other night and was talking about how like he thought Cole Anthony was terrible. I was like, well, why? Like back it up. Like I'm, I'll give you the room to like back it up. Like you're not, but I'll give you the space to do it. Yeah. And if like, as a woman, like if I came in hot, like if I came in real hot saying someone was absolute trash, the heat I would get compa- yep. probably in comparison to a guy, they'll be like, especially, especially the one sport that's the worst with it is NFL. Oh yeah. As oh, it's nuts. It's the worst as a woman is covering football. Cause it's like, well, you've never played the game like basketball, obviously that's much more relatable, but like football, people are like, well, you've never put on pads. You've never been hit. You don't know what it's like. So first of yeah. all, Susie Colbert played football. She played high school football for crying out loud, probably at a higher level than a lot of the idiots who uh, nitpick at her. I was, I was in Cleveland before I came back here and Mary Kay Cabot has been covering the Cleveland Browns for years. She's one of the best reporters in the country. And she gets accused of so much crap. Same with Aditi Kinkabala in Pittsburgh. They get accused of basically trying to tear the team apart with the things that they report. And I'm sitting there going, do you know what the Browns are? Like, <laughs> you want her to report positive things about the Cleveland Browns, who just went 1-31 and over the course of two seasons. Obviously, they're better now. Um but it is, it's, I think it's part, I think it's part exactly what you said about women. Uh, most women who cover the sport of football haven't played. Um, but then it's also football fans by nature are just this sort of tribal neanderthal I mean, it's football. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's all of it, college and pro. When you were coming up, who were some, some uh, women role models for you in, in the business? And have you been able to connect with any of them? Are there, do you have mentors? So Christy, obviously, like first and foremost, she really like laid the foundation for me, like in terms of almost everything, like how to network, how to get yourself out there, kind of like what approach to take as a female and how difficult it can be. So she is definitely, and like, she's someone that I still stay in contact with. Like we try to see each other if we're in the same city. Like I have nothing but love for Chrissy. Um, Rachel Barbeau is the same way. So she used to be on AC, like essentially she covered ACC football. She was at S, like very involved with like the SEC. Um, those would be two, especially when I was younger, that really helped me a lot. People that I looked up to, of course, Aaron Andrew, Carissa Thompson, like um, Aaron Andrews really, I would say was like the big one. Like when I was in high school, when she was on game day, I've, talked to Sam Ponder before who has been absolutely awesome and then she's just, so good she's so good she's she so it. good um and I and I'll, I'll I'll do the thing that I just said I wasn't going to do the people that she's on with on that Monday Night Countdown show I'm not a huge fan of the collection of men that they put around her on that show <laughs> and she does such a good job of getting them on track and sort of just I'll say it it's it's Rex Ryan I can't stand Rex Ryan He's, he's, he's annoying. He's, he's a blabbermouth. He, he barely backs up any of the points that he says. Um, everybody else is fine, but Sam does a really good job of keeping that thing on track. And I, I have to imagine with Rex Ryan and, uh, uh, and Brewski and Randy and, and, and Hasselbeck that that's r- really difficult to do. Yeah. Um, so Sam, Aaron Andrews, like Pam Oliver, OG Holly Rowe, who's now an MVA sideline reporter. So like I met Holly Rowe when I first got in the industry. And so she obviously is working with the Utah jazz now. So when they came in town, I went up to her, I was like, I know you probably don't remember me, but I think you are the absolute greatest. Like I think Holly Rowe is 
phenomenal. Yeah, like oh, she yeah. can do no wrong in my eyes. She just triple threat, a fighter, like absolutely have nothing but respect for her. And I was like talking with her. I was like, you did a sideline game for Notre Dame, Texas back in, I think it was like 2016 or 2017. And I was like, it's the best sideline job I've ever seen. And she was like, Oh my gosh. She was like, that's one of like the, my, like the games in my whole career that like means the most. I was like, you did amazing. And she was like, I can't believe you remember that. I was like, no, I was like, I was in absolute all the way you navigated all of it. So yeah, I would say those are like, that's just a couple, like there's so many, there's so many, there's so many. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotten better. Like I said, it's um, we're in a, there's one thing that makes me feel good about the future. It's that, um, it's that young people, I think, are more are more open or smarter. They're more diverse. They're they're more tolerant. Like that. Like this is how it's supposed to be. And we're again, we're still not there. Um, but I do think it's getting better. And I think it's probably kind of cool. Like it's there's got to be like a sorority type feel, or you know, like women in sports. Like you guys are all survivors in some way. And and I do. I notice just even at games, it feels like there's just sort of like this kind of like recognition, like, hi, I, I also, uh, am in this space and, and scraping and clawing to make it, um, in what can probably be a, a really unforgiving place. Um, so I, I, I like that. I think that's really cool. There is, there is hopefully and likely a young woman watching this or listening to this, um, who looks up to you. And so what would your piece of advice be? You know, we, we sort of started talking about getting into, the business. And there isn't one right answer of how to get into this business. Everybody does it their own way. Um, woman or otherwise, what would be your advice to, uh, to young aspiring broadcasters? Be yourself first and foremost, because I think about when I first started and you try to replicate how someone else speaks or how they give information. Like I, when Katie Nolan first came on the scene, like first came on the scene and she like was trending all the time. Like I, I'm a smart ass, like first and foremost, like when you really get to know me, like I like to like do the quips and be smart assy and kind of like mess around. And so I kind of like tried to take that approach and there's moments where it really works for me and there's moments where it really, really doesn't. And I think just over the years, I've really have leaned so much more into myself and how I deliver and how I speak and what my personality is. And I think that's gotten me really far. And the more I do that, the more I notice that it's appreciated and reciprocated and it's so much more forgiving. And there's a piece in knowing that, but it, it's hard to like get there too, because sure. you're like, well, what if they don't like me? Obviously like this person has been successful doing it this way. And it's tough. Like, it's really tough to navigate. Cause you're like, how do I want to be like, how do I want people to see me? And, you know, like being yourself, like I, I kind of stay private on social media in terms of like what I'm doing, like outside of my life and like sports, but like, even now like I come to to games and it's like, I have tattoos on my hand. Like I'm, I like, I've gone full blown, like I'm doing me and you either like it or you don't. (laughs) That's and, but that's another one of those things. It's what we were talking about. Like that comes with confidence that comes with security. Um, Gosh, when I started, so I was, I was the magic's radio producer for five years. And then I left and I went to Detroit and um, when I was producing from 09 to 14 here, I was producing pregame and in-game and post-game for Scott Inez uh, from WDBO. And when I took the gig with the Pistons, 
I got up there and I was I was hosting. I was basically going to be the Scott up there. And I had had on air experience, but that was the first time I'm hosting my own 30 minute pregame show. It was like an hour um, uh, when we first started and we had to whittle that down. Um, But so I've you know, I was I was unprepared for that. And I realized maybe five games in that I was just doing my best Scott Inez like all the mannerisms. I just through osmosis. It's not like I was I was trying to do it. It's just I produced 90 games a year with this guy. We sat in a freaking studio at RDB Sportsplex for, you know, hours upon hours. And that was all I knew. Like the only pregame NBA broadcast that I'd ever really listened to was the one that I was producing and Scott was hosting. And I realized not long into the gig in Detroit, like, okay, like some of this stuff is unavoidable. Like you're going to have the mannerisms and sometimes you're going to sound like him but you better make it your own. Like you better hell write it in if you have to, um, you know, like, like figure out a way to, um, to, to put, to put your mark on it. And, and I think that's a really good piece of advice. I also think like, and you were kind of talking about this before, man, in this day and age, you better wear a lot of hats. If you want to make it in this business, you better stay open-minded. You better not like people always talk about, Oh, I have this goal and I'm not going to stop until I get to that goal. Like I am an open-minded, I'll do whatever. My whole professional goal when I graduated college was to be creative and get paid for it. And that was it. Like I, and that still is my goal. And so obviously I get to be creative with what I'm doing. I love sports. I'm passionate about it. Um, You know, I landed in the right spot, but I think for young people, man, like, like stay open, you know, keep talking, take, never say no, take every opportunity um, if you don't like soccer, if, if there's a soccer gig, you don't know much about it, read up, figure out what the hell's going on in the MLS. Um, there's just no, there's no right way to do it, but the, I, I think the wrong way to do it is to be, Did is to go? have that tunnel vision is, is yeah. to limit yourself. You have to stay open. No, I completely agree. And that's something I tell people all the time. Like actually one of my friends, so Trisha, who's the reporter for the Rays, her and I, we laugh about this all the time. Cause I her she always says, she was like, I thought I was going to be an NBA reporter. I was like, well, I thought I was going to be MLB. Like my goal was to do baseball and she grew up a Pacers fan. So she was like, my goal was to do that. And her and I all the time now are like, I could never imagine. Not that like, obviously if MLB came knocking, like I would take that job, but I was like, I can't imagine doing anything else except NBA. Now. I can't imagine doing 162 games a year. Let me, exactly. let me get that out there right the, now. The, after hearing like she, like anyone who works in baseball, like seriously, you deserve an applause because I don't know how you do it. Like it is a grind, like no other, but it, it it's so true. Like I, was so open. Like, I was like, I'm not going to do this. Like I did stuff for free, especially coming in. And you have to, a lot of the time, just to get your way through the door, you have to know you're not going to get paid a lot. Unfortunately, when you start out, you're going to be working three different jobs just to be there really. And so, yeah, there's, that's one thing too. Like, yeah, never pigeonhole yourself and just be open. Like I covered I did two different broadcasts for CBS sports. One of them was a jet ski competition. And the other one was a flyboarding like world championship. Oh my God. I don't know. Diddly squat about either of these things. Like nothing. Like I have been jet skiing. I've seen someone do the flyboarding like videos on vacation. But other than that, like, I don't know the technicality of any of these things or like how you win or like 
any of it. And okay, it was wait, does the tape of that exist? Like I have to, I want to see that. Oh, That's yeah, the one that I want to see. It's somewhere. I did it. This would have been like four or five years ago. It was like down in Fort Myers. And I was literally like, I... <laughs> what are you, what were you doing play by like, how do you do a jet? I was this is like, okay, they're going now. Yeah, no, I was sidelining. So I was doing like the interviews after either the laps or after their performance. You're like, so you're, you're, you're going fast. <laughs> like what happened after, on that last turn to like get like i i had no idea like, god bless you no that's such a great story that that stuff is invaluable those those experiences like yeah, i've covered track meets for espn3 like i'm like i never ran track i hate running with every fiber of my being like you did a 5k 6 a.m this morning why yeah. Like, <laughs> are you nuts? Like, why do you enjoy this? What kind of a person are you? Um, except for a healthy one. Um, that is, that's awesome. And I, and I will say, because I was a radio intern out of college um, for the magic. And then I spent two years bartending and doing overnights and traffic reports and scraping and clawing. But I never, I don't have that experience. I Gosh, I'm trying to think of the sort of most obscure thing. I did a high school football game. I actually, when I was in Detroit, they threw me on a Red Wings broadcast, and I don't know very much about hockey at all. But that's not jet ski. That's the NHL. Like, it's not – I don't think it's very comparable. I wasn't good um, at it necessarily, but um, it was still pretty high level. No, I don't I, – I never really had that experience. I think I left out um, in that regard. But the, my, the trade-off is – all the traffic reports that I used to do <laughs> like that. That wasn't even sports. And, uh, but it was good for me. Um, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing. Um, do you have contact info or anything that you would like to share with the people? Yeah. If anyone wants to follow me on social media, you can at Kenzie Thurkill, same for Instagram and Twitter. Not that it's very exciting. I would say <laughs> following me, but if you want to, I think it's sure. First of all, like we need to make sure that we're um, that we're aware of when the when the spaces are being uh, are being activated. So I think everybody should follow you for uh, for that purpose. What are we doing with nicknames? Kenzie. Do you like Kenzie? Mac? Yeah. So Mac. Mac, So Mac and Mackie are kind of like family names. Got it. Like like what like my family and like my closest friends call me. And obviously it's the most common nickname. So people outside of that will say that a lot and I'll kind of give them a look and I try not to get upset about it. Cause I'm like, I know they don't know how I feel and that's okay. Um, but yeah, usually like Ken's Kenzie, people call me MT. Like it's, I have so many. <laughs> so right. yeah, it's usually just whatever people are comfortable. Cause I understand that Mackenzie is a kind of a long name. It's not, I mean, it's not it's that not, long. It's not, but, but Kenzie, Kenzie Den- rolls off the tongue. I'm going to go with Kenzie. And yeah. then, and then we'll go from there. Cool. All right. Cool. Um, thanks again. This has been fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I yeah, absolutely enjoyed myself. Yeah, for sure. There she is. Mackenzie Thurkle. Jake Chapman here with you. This has been the Mostly Magic Podcast, and we'll be back next week with another edition. Until then, stay safe, everybody.